Okay, just like last week, I promise you I won't fall asleep if you won't. I know it's hard. I'll just keep looking at you until you open your eyes. Every so often, you know that saying. Somebody hid it from me. I bring it out again. The color of my pastor's eyes, I cannot well define. For when he prays, he closes his. And when he preaches, I close mine. So, I keep this out handy. Especially on in the afternoon service. I close my eyes once. It's not your turn yet. This afternoon in preparation for the Lord's Supper, we turn to Numbers chapter 9. Remember the children of Israel are in the wilderness. You remember the first time they observed the Passover was in Egypt before they exited. That was a year ago. This is called the second observation of the Passover. Our congregation read together the first five verses. We're told in verse 1 that it was the first month of the second year that they came out of the land of Egypt, so it's been one year since the Passover. The Passover was to be observed, verse 3, on the 14th day of that month in the evening. So, think about the different rites as they're mentioned in verse 3. You shall keep it in its appointed season. This was to be observed once a year in all of its rites. And so, for instance, they were to eat unleavened bread. They were to uh, um, splatter their doorposts. And in this case, perhaps they'd splatter their tent posts. They're now living in tents in the wilderness. They would eat um, herbs and uh, other different rites that were observed. You can find them in Exodus chapter 12. And so Moses was told in verse 4 that they were to keep the Passover. And so they did, recorded in verse 5. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at evening in the wilderness now in Sinai according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. And that's back in Exodus 12. An interesting thing now occurs. Continue reading with me. There were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man that they could not keep the Passover on that day. You remember that if you touched a dead body, you were unclean until, well, probably seven days. Some things you would be unclean for just till the evening. But even if that was the case, they probably would not have been able to observe the Passover. But there were certain men, we're told, that you know, they may have had to carry a body out of a tent. Pallbearers or just uh, 
people had to tend to a, a corpse. And so the Passover came along and they had not yet fully uh, gone through the cleansing ceremony. And remember, all this is symbolic, but nonetheless, this was one of the ceremonial laws. So they couldn't keep the Passover that day and they came before Moses and before Aaron on that day and those men said unto him, We are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore are we kept back that we may not offer an offering of the Lord in His appointed season among the children of Israel? So these men came to Moses and Aaron and they said, We'd like to keep the Passover. Think about the spirit of these men. They didn't say, Oh, too bad. We just can't observe it this time. There wasn't this nonchalant, you know, we'll skip it for a year. These men, look, they have a heart. They want to keep the Passover, but they can't. They're respecting God's Word that they're now unclean, but they, their heart is with God's Word to keep the Passover. So what is the Lord going to say? You know, if we haven't read any further, he could say something like, well, just wait till next year. He doesn't do that. Now, this is something new. This is something that just came up, and Moses needs to seek the Lord about it. And that's what it says. Moses said unto them, Stand still, and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Verse 8. Moses didn't know what to say. He probably thought, oh, well, you're just going to have to wait till next year. So remember, in the Old Testament, they knew that the Passover was to be observed once a year, not twice, three times. And just to remind us, the Passover is now transferred to the Lord's Supper. The Passover was a, a blood, uh, bloody sacrament. The Lord's Supper is bloodless. But that's you, we, we believe that the Passover transfers to the Lord's Supper baptism to or sorry circumcision to baptism not all agree with that second thought but I would think most Christians agree that the Passover has transferred to the Lord's Supper and we have a text in the New Testament that puts them together so the Lord gives his answer and he expands upon it notice and the Lord spake unto Moses saying Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you or of your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body or be in a journey... Notice the Lord expands that. What if someone's in a journey? And they're not unclean, but they just are out of town. So they had people that went out of town on business or uh, business for the Israelites or personal business, visiting relatives, we don't know. But if they're on a journey, and he's anticipating when they move into the promised land, yet he shall keep the Passover unto the Lord. So what is he going to tell them? I'll make an exception for you? What does he do? The 14th day of the second month, I'll let you... Keep, I'll let you have a Passover next month. So every year, the second month and the 14th day are for those 
who were unclean the month before or on a journey or some other reason they were sick. There are other reasons. They shall keep it, but all the rites eat with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Right? But not the whole nation. Only those that could not do it the month before. And so we assume that would be they would slay a lamb, share it, splatter the, the blood on the posts. We're not given all that information. They shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break any bone of it. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. So, he does give a, an exception. You see, God's flexibility, God's kindness, His mercy toward those that have a heart to obey Him but are not able to appropriately. But notice the Lord also gives an opposite, the opposite extreme for people that are able and won't. Look at verse 13. But the man that is clean and is not in a journey and forbeareth to keep the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off from among the people because he brought not the offering of the Lord in his appointed season, that man shall bear his sin. We'll touch upon that briefly, but now the Lord adds a gospel feature, the final verse. And a stranger, if a stranger shall sojourn among you, say an Egyptian or some other nation, and they want to join Israelites, it says that they and, and will keep the Passover unto the Lord according to the ordinance of the Passover and according to the manner thereof, so shall he do. Ye shall have one ordinance both for the stranger and for him that is born in the land. And we end our reading there. And so the Lord says in the last verse, if a stranger, an alien, someone outside Israel wants to partake of the Passover, they've, been, they've become a proselyte. You read between the lines, if it's a male, they'll have to be circumcised. But they'll have to go through the same motions as any Israelite would. They have to eat with unleavened bread. They have to have a lamb without blemish, bitter herbs, and so on. And so the Lord is now pointing us toward the future, the Gospel of including the Gentiles among the people of God. And so this is, this is uh, projecting us into the Gospel age in the incarnation of the Son of God. But again, this is a passage that tells us about the keeping of the Passover the second time since they've left Exodus, Egypt. The first time was at the Exodus and now is the next time. And folks, it's going to be a long time before they keep the Passover again. As far as we can tell, they wouldn't. They, they don't keep it again until X or uh, Joshua's day, before they went into the promised land. And I, I suppose it's because of the judgment the Lord brought upon the land. He said that He was going to slay everybody over 20 years old, and for 40 years they were dying in the wilderness, and then they kept the Passover again. But why am I bringing up a passage? about the Lord's Supper or 
regarding the Lord's Supper, and it's dealing with Passover because there is a transition from the Passover to the Lord's Supper. We know that, for instance, from 1 Corinthians 5, it says Christ, our Passover, is suffered for us, and it's in the context of the Lord's Supper for us to keep the feast. And there's no doubt that that the Passover, Jesus talks about remembering His death at the Lord's Supper. He was the Passover. He was the fulfillment of all the symbols of the Lamb. And so you see here that when Christ said, do this in remembrance of Me, He's associating the Lord's Supper with the Passover. And so we can apply the truths that are found in Numbers chapter 9, verses 1-14 to to the Lord's Supper. We are to live in light of the Lord's death. That's really what the Lord's Supper symbolizes. Do this in remembrance of Me. This sacrament, this ordinance right here is a time we look through the symbols and we see Jesus. We see Him through the bread and through the the grape juice, the fruit of the vine. And when it says, do this in remembrance of Me, saying, yes, observe the Lord's Supper, but what is the fleshing out of what we're doing here symbolically? It's We're exercising our faith in what these symbols symbolize. And we're saying, Lord, I'm going to live for You in light of the cross. I'm here to confess my sins and then to live a life that is uh, consistent with my confession today. In 1 Corinthians 5, he says, Purge out the old leaven, that you might be a new lump. That was in the context of the man that was in the church that was committing incest with his father's wife. Not his mother. His father had remarried, whether his mother had passed away or his father had been divorced. But it was something not even the lost community engaged in. Um, we would call it incest. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, you should deal with this individual. And if he doesn't repent, send him out of the church. He needs to be excommunicated. And they finally woke up and they did that. And the man was sent out of the church. But 2 Corinthians is written to show that the man repented and he wanted back in the church, but they were a little bit reluctant because Paul had, had rebuked them for their uh, slowness in, de- in, in uh, exercising discipline. And now he's dealing with them about their slowness in receiving a repentant man back into the church. But in 1 Corinthians, he said, purge out the old leaven, speaking of that man, but he's also saying we need our sins purged if we're going to fellowship with the Holy God. If we're going to be a new lump, it says in 1 Corinthians 5. But Numbers gives us some very clear applications to the Lord's Supper. The first is the command. Notice, God commands them to keep the Passover. Let the children of Israel keep the Passover in His appointed season, which would have been once a year in the Old Testament. What does Jesus say to us about the Lord's Supper? Do this in remembrance of Me. He's commanding us to do this. Now, 
We're not commanded to keep the Lord's Supper once a year. But the wording is, often, once a year is probably too seldom. Many churches will observe the Lord's Supper once a month. In our family of churches, we have agreed, every church has agreed to observe the Lord's Supper at least once a, once a month. Some churches will observe the Lord's Supper once a week. There's no command about how often we are to keep the Lord's Supper. But we are commanded to, to remember the Lord's death in this way. And certainly once a year would seem to be too seldom. And so I think the Protestant church is right to observe the Lord's Supper every month at least, if not more often. Now it's interesting how the Roman Catholics who profess to be Christians will observe this. They don't call it that. We know it's, it's, it's an abominable Mass, but they, they um, observe that every week. They believe that they take Christ off His throne and put Him in that host. And there's so much abomination found in that system of professed Christianity. But we are commanded to do so, and certainly regularly. The word as often as is the word whenever. So it's left vague, but it's meant to challenge frequency. May I say it that way? 1 Corinthians 11 is left vague as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. But the words as often mean whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. And so, I think I, I believe that we're right to say it's, it, he's challenging it to be frequent, though we're not left with a certain time period. But isn't it interesting we need the imperative Jesus is commanding us because we're forgetful. Because we, we need a jolt to our consciences. Isn't His example enough? What if He had said, as I have done unto you, so be it. Leaving it to us to just follow His example. But He commands us. Why would Jesus command us? Do this. Why would God... Command the Israelites, keep the Passover. Because it's important to him that his son is remembered. His son is thought of beforehand, the Passover, the prophecy of his coming to die. God wants us to remember his son in this way because his death was precious to God. You know, it's interesting when we have birthdays and birthday parties and Anniversaries. We usually don't have to be. We're not commanded, but do we ever usually forget a loved one's birthday, someone's anniversary? It's normal for them to invite us to a a party, to a a, a gathering, and we're happy to do that. And it's so it's so uh, natural to us, and we love the people that observe birthdays and anniversaries that. We, we just gravitate to them. But no one commands us to, and yet it's something natural. But I dare say the people of God would be forgetful if God didn't command us to do what we're supposed to do. 
We're so prone to wander and so prone to our own ways. God, in His kindness, commands us how forgetful and neglectful and shallow and worldly we are that we have to be commanded to do that which is pleasing to God. But also the Lord told His people, I want you to do it properly, not any old way. He said, verse three, verse 3, according to the rights of it. You see that? Verse 3, according to the rights. In other words, <clears throat> all the details. All the details. Unleavened bread, for instance. An unspotted lamb. Bitter herbs. It's got to be in the evening. You've got to sprinkle the blood. All the details are to be observed. They couldn't just say, well, you know, I don't have very many lambs. I'm just going to choose one that has a little bit of a, a uh, blemish. God would know that. That would, be, that would get His attention quickly. Or someone might say, you know, I, I like leavened bread better than unleavened bread. You can't do that. We're to be careful. And, you know, you think about the fact that the Lord commands us to use bread and the fruit of the vine. Not any old elements. I've heard of churches that have potato chips and Coke. I mean, you, know, you, you say that that's absolutely astonishing, and yet we've heard it taking place. That they substitute bread for something else and the fruit of the vine for, for soda or some other drink. That's after our own imagination and innovation and invention. That's, that's disgusting to God. He has commanded the, the details. He took bread. He took the fruit of the vine. And yet we have churches that think that they can improve upon God's Word when it is disgusting to the Lord. But the fact is we're to be bloodless. We're not to have lambs shed, shedding their blood. We are remembering now a, a lamb, the Lamb of God who shed His blood once for all to save us from our sins. But isn't it kind of the Lord to command bread? Because the poorest of the poor have bread. And the richest have to eat the same bread as the poor. We're all put on the same plane. We eat bread and the fruit of the vine from the vineyard. That's God's kindness, isn't it? Just like He said, everybody's to give a half shekel a year to the, to the temple. The rich are not to give more. The poor are not to give less. Everybody's on the same level. The Bible says... The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. No innovations. We are, to, like he said about the Passover, we are to be careful with the details. Now, he doesn't tell us whether it should be morning or evening. He doesn't tell us we need to eat unleavened bread either. That's not what commanded in the Lord's Supper. It was commanded to the Israelites because it, it reminds them of the the haste that they needed to get out of Egypt. But some of those details have not been carried over. We don't need to eat bitter herbs. We don't certainly need 
to see blood shed. But the bread and the fruit of the vine are to be part of the Lord's table. Not just His broken body is symbolized, but His shed blood. And so it was fulfilled. Look at verses 4 and 5. You have the command. You have the details. You have the fulfillment. Verses 4 and 5. We're told, Moses spake unto the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the first month, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So the people followed God's Word and they kept the Passover. The second Passover altogether, including the Passover in Egypt. Now in verses 6 and following, you have a situation that arises that did not arise in Egypt. Obviously, they had not been given all these dietary and ceremonial laws yet. And so these men came forward and said, we want to, take, we want to keep the Passover. Our heart's in it. We want to obey God. We want to fellowship with all of you. We want to, to, uh, to, uh, to take part in this spiritual exercise, this means of worship. But we can't. We've touched the dead body. What do we do? And so Moses had not known yet what had happened. They'd been defiled ceremonially. You understand that. There was no sin that took place just simply by taking, uh, carrying a body. But again, these are symbols of sin. Defilement, uncleanness are expressions meant to, like this morning, those animals, unclean, clean. They're meant to help us to understand the, moral, the morals of the matter, to discern between right and wrong, sin and righteousness, holiness and unholiness, cleanness and uncleanness. And so, basically what they're saying morally, as it applies to us, we've sinned. What do we do now? Like when we come to the Lord's table, if we have a sin in our life, are we to forbear from the Lord's table? Or what are we to do? Now, granted, there are times people, for, whatever, for, for a good reason, refrain from the Lord's table. <clears throat> Some churches, for instance, a person, say a person comes into the service and he sees it's the Lord's table and he wants to partake, but the Lord puts on his mind, you've offended somebody or some, someone has offended you and you haven't gotten right with that person. Remember what Jesus said, if you come to the altar, that is, if you come to worship and you remember that someone has ought against you, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled to your brother. Then come. So I'm just giving one example of someone who might come to the Lord's table service and all of a sudden, before he partakes, I've offended somebody and they live in Arizona or they're across town. What are they to do? Lord says, you forbear and you go get right with your brother. I'm just giving you an example of someone that would have a legitimate reason to forbear taking the bread and the wine. And there are other reasons. God gives the reason of a journey. Same way with you and me. If we're out of town, we can't obviously come to our, the church where we're members and partake. Or if we're sick. 
But the point the Lord's making here, He's showing these men have a heart for God. They didn't just say, oh well, we'll just wait till next year. They came to Moses and Aaron and they said, our heart's here. We want to remember this ceremony because it, it, they obviously understood it meant that this animal dies in their place. That they're saved by the substitutionary atonement of a perfect victim. How much they knew about the Lord Jesus Christ and about the Messiah in the future, we don't know all that. They certainly knew more than I think we give them credit for. But they knew it had to do with their forgiveness and God's mercy in receiving a, a substitute instead of judging them. They knew from Egypt the Egyptians who didn't have blood on their doorposts all died. They all had a, a firstborn in their home died. But not one Israelite, or even if an Egyptian had, had, had killed a sacrifice and sprinkled the blood on their doorpost, no home that had the blood of the offering sprinkled on its doorpost had a dead person that morning. They knew that it was dealing with the Gospel, with their forgiveness. And they said, we want to participate. What do we do? And I suppose their thought was, Moses is just going to tell us to wait till next year. But do you see the kindness of the Lord? There are times the Lord knows we can't for whatever reasons. But in this case, you see how He... What are we trying to say here? What does He do in verse, in verse number um, 6? Sorry, we'll go to verse... Eight, Moses says, wait, I'm going to have to ask the Lord about this. I don't know what the, what the answer is. And that's what we sometimes tell people. We don't know the answer to your question. Give us time. We'll pray about it. We'll seek counsel. Don't ever think that you're beneath just saying, I don't know. That's usually the best answer to a question we don't know. To just be honest about it. How do, I, how do I comfort somebody that's gone through a, such a tragedy? And sometimes the word, it's not words, it's just your presence. And so Moses is told by the Lord, I'll let you have another, a second Passover. For pe- only for people that couldn't come to the first Passover. And so verse 11 tells us the very next month, the second month at evening, they shall keep it on the 14th day. <clears throat> so, these men had a, d- a desire to obey God. And the challenge to you and me is, do we have a desire to please God? We are to, to not forsake the assembly of ourselves together, for instance. Is that our heart? Is that our heart? We have a, we have a command to come to the Lord's table. Is that something we want to do? We must do? Because God has commanded me to do it and He's my Lord. <clears throat> By the way, this happened in Hezekiah's day too. If you read Second Chronicles 30, verses 13-20, to 20, the same situation arose. And Hezekiah said, Lord, what do we... And from what we can tell, he had them wait to the second month. And he said, Lord, pardon their iniquity. And the Lord pardoned them. What does the Bible tell us to do before we come to the Lord's table? And we have sin. Wait till next month? Not necessarily. Maybe, like I said, there are situations we have to wait till the next time. We're out of town. 
we're sick. We have someone that we've sinned against and we have to get right with. But what does the Bible tell us? Let a man examine himself and so let, he, let him partake. That's what we're told in 1 Corinthians 11.28. We're to confess our sins before we come to the Lord's table. We are to pray, Lord, clean my heart. Cleanse me. Let there be nothing between my soul and You. And so only You know in Your heart if there's something between You and the Lord. Maybe there's someone you need to be reconciled to. Maybe there's a sin in your life you won't repent of. We would not dare come to the Lord's table. At the Lord's table we're saying we believe that Jesus is our Savior. We believe He's holy. That He's made us holy. And we're confessing Him openly here. And then to take the Lord's table with sin in our hearts? It's hypocrisy. It might bring judgment upon ourselves. So God allowed for provident, He gave providential provision for those who desired to worship Him. His kindness said, "Wait till next month." But He didn't tell them to wait till the next year. And even you and me, even if we waited for a good reason to partake this afternoon, He doesn't say, "Well, you've got to wait." Now, I know there are some churches and, it's, and, and, and they, they exercise wisdom in this. If someone has, has sinned openly in rebellion, they've lived in sin, and they're being, they're being disciplined. First, Matthew chapter 18. Some churches will say, well, we, you cannot come to the Lord's table for five months or six months or a year. You've got to be on probation to see that your sin... Is, is recognized in that you're publicly repenting of it. Now that's obviously the, the exception that proves the rule. And you notice that, that sometimes, and, and often you'll, you'll hear in churches, that the, the minister or the elder that's overseeing the Lord's table will say, the Lord's table is for a born-again believer that's in, in, in good relationship with his church and is not under any discipline from his church they may partake and so the Lord in his kindness and his graciousness loves the heart he wants the heart of the matter the heart is our heart here today is our heart singing is our heart praying is our heart taking the bread and the fruit of the vine is our heart loving the Lord Now, it's interesting how the Lord adds to this the opposite. Look at verse number 13. But, that tells you something, doesn't it? On the contrary, I'm going to add to this discussion. The man that is clean, he's not in, he's not in a journey. And like he's not, He hasn't touched a dead body. He hasn't cause himself to be unclean, but he forbeareth to keep the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people, because he brought not the offering of the Lord in his appointed season, that man shall bear his sin. you see that, brother and sister? What that's saying is, the willful negligence of the Passover will bring judgment upon a soul. 
If a person does not have a good reason to come to the Lord's table, that's an application. If a person is negligent, he doesn't have a good reason. He's not sick. He's not on a journey. He doesn't have some sin that he needs to deal with first. He's just not coming because of his own reason. It's, it's too hard. It's, 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 it, there's, it, I don't want to spend the time. Are you following me? How often is this happening? In churches today, people are neglecting the Lord's table. Not for good reasons. They just don't come. They're not interested. They're not, their heart's not in it. They won't do it unless the church... Uh, let's just put it this way. Often it's because the, the church won't accommodate the time they want to take it. Who are we trying to accommodate? The Lord or ourselves? just being frank. And what does it mean that the person that forbears to keep the Passover will be cut off from the people of God? You can interpret that as some providential judgment, sickness. It could include sudden death. But God is patient, isn't He? He's long-suffering. There are people that have not come to the Lord's table for months. Years, and they know they profess to know the Lord, and yet it's a command. I'm just applying. You may say, "Well, that's only for the Passover." How can you apply this to the Lord's Supper? Because the Lord's Supper is the transition from the Passover. It's the graduation from the bloody Passover to the bloodless communion table. It is absolutely universal proper application to say that a person who neglects the Lord's table for no good reason other than his own sloth or other than it's just not convenient or he chooses some other reason, he wants to do something else. I tell you, it's dangerous. That's all I can say. God knows when He's going to lower the boom on any of us when we rebel and when we harden our hearts. And all of us in this room know there's a time when we have hardened our hearts and not been repentant about something. And sometimes the judgment is that we're miserable. But other times the judgment is that we have a providence that's very harsh or very hard that comes to our lives. A tragedy, an injury, a sickness. We need to take this seriously. And all we can do, brother and sister, is give the... Announcement: The Lord's table is, is normally uh, scheduled every first Sabbath of the month. But because we have an elder, for instance, or a minister that's on a long journey, is on a vacation or we're sick, we sometimes, like today, we have to postpone the Lord's Supper until another Sunday. But the announcement is made. It's printed in the bulletin. The Lord's table is being served. It's, we're observing it. Sabbath afternoon. And the Lord tells us a person that forbears for no good reason, may I just say for willful negligence, that soul shall be cut off from his people. And only the Lord knows what he means by that. But I don't want to be on the, on the, on the object end of that, do you? He didn't bring his offering to the Lord in its appointed season. 
In other words, he didn't worship the Lord because he didn't want to. It was too inconvenient for him. He did not remember Christ as he was commanded. In other words, like Hebrews 10.25 says, he forsook the assembling of himself together as the manner of summons. That man shall bear his sin. Literally, his sin that man shall bear. What sin? What was the sin of neglecting the Passover? The breach of the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Who is that person's God? He was his God. He decided he wasn't going to do it. Right? He's putting himself as God. Ego worship. Second commandment, self-image. Worshiping his own image. Third commandment, he neglects the adoration and praise of the Lord that takes place at the Lord's table. Fourthly, he neglects holy time set aside to keep this time. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's At the end of the day, it's a neglect of showing love for the Lord. Oh, may God be merciful. And He has for those who have been neglectful of the Lord's Supper. They've not been cut off. But shall we... Shall we dare the Lord to exercise this discipline another month? There are other sovereign chastenings that you and I have experienced because we've disobeyed God. And you know what the Lord told through Paul in Corinth? There were some people that neglected the Lord's table to the point where they came to fill their bellies. In those days, they had a lot of people and they had a lot of bread and a lot of juice. And so people could actually come and fill their hungry stomachs. And Paul said there are some of them have died. See, God did cut them off for their failure to observe the Lord's Supper in a proper way. And this is something that, I again, it's part of the whole counsel of God. And it grieves my heart. And it takes place in every church. It's not just here. Every single one of our churches, we've discussed this among ministers. We plead with people to come to the Lord's table. Come to the Lord's table. And over and over and over and over again, they don't. And one day we're going to have to give account ourselves. Lord, we tried. We pleaded. We warned. We cautioned people not just to come, but to come with examined hearts, with confessed sin. Or they wouldn't. They're in His hands. And we plead before God for repentance and for restoration. So we warn we must not be unclean coming to the Lord's table. Let us confess our sins and pray for the blood of Jesus to wash us. And we plead with each other we should never abstain from worship for Willful, out of willful neglect. You know what it's called in Colossians 2? Will worship. We worship what we want to do. We worship our own God. Our own making of a God. In other words, we're our own God. We decide what's right and what's wrong. We come to the Lord's table with humble hearts and thankful hearts. These symbols picture a Savior who's the Son of God who took a body for us suffered in our place and was tortured and crucified and killed 
so that we might have eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we bless You. We bless You for giving us this memorial of Your death. And it's not a morbid memorial. Lord, it's, it shouldn't be a sad time as we've gone to funerals and memorial services of loved ones that have gone on or loved ones who have not been ready for their day of death. Lord, You won't die anymore. We're not here. You have not told us to mourn for You. Lord, we mourn over our sins. We ask You to forgive us and help us. How can we sin in light of the cross? And yet we do, Lord. Every day we make a choice to sin. Please help us to refrain from sinning. Help us to resist temptations. Help us to repent regularly, Lord. And we thank You that we can be in the shadow of the cross one more time. And we pray that as we take the bread and we take the cup, that You would see this as an expression of our love and our faith. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that He alone is our Savior. He alone procured our salvation. So, Father, accept our, our thanks and praise. Lord Jesus, we... We bless You for being with us. And the Holy Spirit for guiding us in the Word of God. Please bless us at this sacred season. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.